You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited for another episode today of the CT Excellence Podcast. And I've got my new friend with me today. Bridget, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for asking me to be on today. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've been super excited to have you. I always keep like a running list of people that I'm like, oh, this person would be a good uh, podcast guest. So you've been on my list for a long time. And so uh, it's, it's well, very good to be able that. to sit down with you today. Yeah. For sure. So first, I would love to just kick off. Like I told you just a moment ago, like I'm excited to learn more about you myself um, and, and kind of like your motivation behind the stuff that you do on social media. Um, I think we have a lot of similarities uh, and I'm sure a lot of differences too in our background and life and all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, just excited to hear more of your thoughts and, and more of, you know, your backstory, but I'd love for you to just kick us off with that, just about who you are and where you're from and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So, um, we mostly know each other through social media, right? Which is kind of sure. always an interesting thing to me because do you really get the full picture of anybody through that situation? Mm -hmm. So it's fun to have an opportunity to kind of talk a little more about that. But I am a Midwest kid from Ohio, grew up here, only left to go to college. I went to Belmont Abbey in North Carolina. So oh, no way. Um, would love to go back to North Carolina at some Dude, point, but both. my family is all here. Yeah. Isn't it great? It was like all four seasons, mountains, beaches, everything yeah. you want. But, um, but for now my family's here. So, um, I just got married on the 4th of July this past year. Yeah. Expecting Congrats. our first. So right? <laughs> that Big happened times. fast, which is exciting, but, but lots of life changes right now. So that's sure. kind of where we're at right now. Um, my degree is in sports management and then I have a double minor in business and English. So I kind of did all the things, didn't know quite where I was going to go with that. Uh, did the corporate thing for about six or seven years and never loved it, but it was just kind of, that was the path that, that happened that way. And then with all the kind of craziness that has happened over the past couple of years, I ended up working for my dad, who's a financial planner. He and my brother are partners oh, wow. now. So um, lots of perks with that. Lots of interesting times when you work with your family, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you no can kidding. imagine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but that's been it overall. It's been really good. It's just been, it's been an adjustment for sure, but I'm, I'm grateful to have them. And then I part-time, um, do social media management as well. Oh, okay. Which really just kind of came out of 
nowhere. I wasn't really planning on that. It just came from me doing social media and then people kind of asking for help. So it is very part-time, mm. but, um, it's been a good little extra source of income. So that's been, that's been nice too. So, and then to my Instagram, I guess, which is sort of how you know me. Um, I did not start it to be anything in particular. I just kind of started it to talk about the faith because I just love our faith. And then when things really got kind of crazy the last couple of years, I just started sharing some opinions, which I just didn't do for any particular reason. And that's when everything kind of took off and just kind of realized, I don't want to say there was a market for it, but more that there were a lot of people feeling that way that just didn't have the voice to say it, I guess. Voice of the courage. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, well, I don't know. That's nice of you, but I'm kind of just my, my dad just says I'm a loud mouth, but, um, (laughs) but anyway, I do have a lot of opinions. So that's kind of where that came from. And that's, that's how that all started. And it's just sort of taken off from there. So. That's awesome. And so tell me this, like for both your faith and your political social perspectives, (laughs) like, have you always been pretty engaged in your faith? Like always been a huge fan of Catholicism or Um, same thing with like like your, your, your social, you know, political opinions on things like has that evolved or changed at all over time? Yeah. Tell me about both of those. Yeah. I think they've evolved more just in that I own them more now. Um, Mm. I, I grew up a cradle Catholic. It was a huge part of our lives. I was homeschooled. So when I look back, I mean, we, I don't know that we ever did an official religion class in our homeschool. It was just sort of like, it was just a part of our life. It was a huge part of our life. We went to mass every day, did, did all of those things. So I think that to a large extent, it was just such a part of my life that I didn't really take the time to own it myself until I went away to college. And then it was challenged for probably the first time really in my life that I met a lot of people that thought very differently from, from the way that I thought or believed. Yeah. And when it was challenged is when I kind of had to start looking into it and be like, okay, what do I really, do I really believe this or is it just what I'm used to? Yeah. Um, so I would say that's the biggest growth period in my faith was through college. Just when it's challenged, that's when you find out if you really care about it or not. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So that's kind of the faith side of things as far as social, political kind of opinions, um, super conservative family. So again, grew up with that background, but again, was never really challenged on it until college. So that was, that was a huge growth period for me, just as far as owning what my own opinions were. Um, I remember being in, I thought I was going to be an education major, which, um, for various reasons, I'm glad that didn't work out, but my very first education class, (laughs) very first one, our teacher was started asking us about if we thought, um, free college should be offered for illegal immigrants. That was like first question immediately day one. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, I disagreed with that, but nobody in the class said a word. It was just like, if she thinks that, then that's what we think. So <laughs> Silent, yeah. that was like my, my first introduction to like, wait a second. I don't think I agree with, with a lot of people on this. So yeah, just kind of made me own it. So yeah, I would say college is kind of when I took that for myself. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing, you know, especially on social media or in colleges, right. There's a number of places in the corporate office, right. There's where, where it's just kind of, it reminds me like the imagery of, if you've ever watched it, I don't know your opinion on the chosen TV series. Um, but like, I actually haven't seen it, but oh, really? I've heard great things. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. I know there's a lot of hot takes between Catholics on, on the chosen, but 
Um, yes. I, I, we enjoy it and I've watched all of it. And on the intro, there's like, it's, it's kind of cheesy and like, kind of, it's not like super well done the intro, but it's just basically like fish all swimming in one direction. And then you see like the Jesus is like a different colored fish and he's swimming in the opposite direction, like upstream. Okay. And then like uh-huh. occasionally you see more and more switching directions. And I think that, you know, what that, I think that represents too like our society today, obviously like living out your faith. And we can talk a little bit about how we think you and I probably agree on a lot of how our faith leads into our political beliefs. But I think, you know, even just being willing to like speak up and share those opinions, you know, really does swim upstream and like cause friction with people. And so like, I'm just really interested to hear more of like, what was your, like, did you just, you were just kind of like, oh, I want to talk about this today. And so you just like went off about something political one day or like, what made you decide to, because social media is definitely one of those places where like you're like that class you're describing, everybody kind of is like synchronized. Everybody just kind of, even if there is like a crazy opinion and crazy stuff's happening out there, it's just like, yeah, we just kind of let it go. And, you know, we just, we just kind of move on and just like live with people thinking crazy stuff. But occasionally a few of us are willing to be like, this is stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, and you're one of those exactly. people who says that. So what made you like <laughs> decide to start doing that? Just kind of on a whim? Yeah. So I think actually, I think I've been doing it in my life for a while and I'll, I'll give you an example of, again, I, I really feel blessed. I had a great foundation for my parents. They, um, taught me kind of, you know, you do what, what's right, no matter what, like, I'll give you an example of when I was about 12, um, at the church that we were at for, um, the passion reading, you know, how long the passion gospel is. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. So father said, everybody sit down because this is too long for everybody to stand through the passion reading. So we're in a church of probably, uh, I don't know, it was a huge church, probably 600 people or something. And, and we're up in the front, my mom, my dad, my brother and I, and my dad said, we don't sit for the gospel. So the four of us are standing at the front of church, a church full of 600 people sitting down. So I will tell you that when I was 12, I hated it. I mean, I was miserable. It was like, everyone's looking at you, but it really did give me the foundation to be like, look, if you really think something is right, then you do it no matter if everybody around you is sitting down. Yeah. And that's totally, totally my parents. I mean, I'm not taking any credit for that, but that is where it, the foundation started. Um, and then really, I just had the opportunities, like you said, working in the corporate world, you get a lot of pushback on, on things I never imagined. For instance, I left a job because they wanted me to support things that I didn't feel like I could support. Um, I worked for in Cincinnati, they call it Procter and God, but I worked for Procter and Gamble <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, it's a big thing around here. So, yeah. um, but I actually left there because it was, um, they wanted me to, for instance, come to a pride parade, um, those kind of things. And they pretty much tell you, if you don't show up to those things, you're not, you're not moving up. Yeah. as far as you're going to go. So, so I think in my real life, I guess, is the answer to that would be where it all started. And then in some ways, social media is an easier place to do that because you can block somebody or you can just ignore it. Right. But in real life, you can't do that. So I almost, not that it's not challenging at times, but it's almost easier on social media for me than, than it was in real life. But yeah, I, I think as to why it's really, there's a huge contingent on social media. I'm sure you know this right now of what I would consider liberal Catholic women. I mean, Mm. a a large portion of that. And it was almost hard to find people who are 
have conservative worldviews and are Catholic in that space. So right. I think that was really the driving force for me was like, someone needs to be a part of that movement. Not that it's just me. There's, there's definitely others as well, but, but it's hard to find. So for sure. Yeah, man. It's so interesting. I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot there. One, I want to say, did you, did you know that I used to live in Walnut Hills? I did not know that. I did. Yeah. So you probably know about the P and G thing. I do know about Procter and God for sure. Yeah. No. Yes. Yes, I used to live in Walnut Hills, uh, like 2019 and 2020. Oh my gosh. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. Basically August to August. I worked at Dynamic Catholic. Oh, okay. First job out of the army. I was at Dynamic Catholic. I was a parish consultant for a year. Yeah. Okay. So I lived in Walnut Hills, went to St. Cecilia's, so loved funny. it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You went to the, the young adult church, as I call it. That's exactly. The, yeah. The one where all the young everybody adults did. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The more orthodox awesome. young adult church that you have, say, right. downtown. Yes. Yeah. Downtown. <laughs> that's right. Those are the two options. Yeah. It can get a little wonky every now and then. Yeah. But um, I love it. So there's, I, I want to get into a lot of what you just said there, but I want to kind of introduce our topic that we mainly want to hit on today. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, but I really wanted to read this quote from, I just finished, uh, live not by lies by Rod Dreher. Oh, yeah. He also wrote mm-hmm. the Benedict option, um, which I know a lot of Catholics are familiar with and a lot of mm-hmm. interesting stuff here. And, uh, the, this, this is a great quote that I kind of wanted to start us off with. Um, and then we're going to go back to a lot of things you just shared. And so, He says, the follower recognizes the cost of discipleship and is willing to pay it. This does not mean that he is obligated to put himself at maximum peril at all times or stand guilty of being an admirer. But it does mean that when the Gestapo or the KGB shows up in his village and demands that he bow to the swastika or the hammer and sickle, the follower will make the sign of the cross and walk with fear and trembling toward Golgotha fire. Right. Obviously that's, I was lit when I read that. I was like, damn, I got it. Yeah. That's incredible. So I think it's really powerful stuff. And I think, you know, one thing that we were talking about, we were kind of like, you know, brainstorming ideas. And this has been on my heart a lot recently is this idea of like martyrdom, you know, and I can get like, I don't even consider it pessimistic. I I think it's hard to say you're pessimistic, like the greatest saints in heaven, right. Are like the martyrs. And so like to be pessimistic about like something that would lead you to like extreme sainthood is like kind of an oxymoron, right. Like it doesn't work out, but I, I can be uh, someone who like leans in the direction of thinking that we like legit will face some like substantial persecution <laughs> in our mm-hmm. lifetimes. And yeah. what I'm interested about with social media is I think like the, the stat that I've recently heard, I've heard J- Jordan Peterson quote Ben Shapiro, a bunch of different people. Um, Abigail Schreier is that 62% of Americans are afraid to like voice their opinion of things that they think are not like popular. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, social media, like you've done it everywhere. Right. So you've, you've, you've done it more than I have. Like you've done it with jobs. You left jobs. You've done on social media. I'm sure you've done it with interpersonal conversations with people in person. Uh, you've done it in the university, you know what I mean? Or like in the classroom at times. And like, what do you think? Like, don't you think that like social media is almost, it's the easiest probably. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost yeah. like these levels to it and people like people like we have an like, do you think we have an obligation like of our faith Obviously, I'm sure you do. That's why you left PNG. Like we have an obligation of our faith to leave jobs that are contrary to our faith and like our moral principles. But like if we can't even stand for it on social media, how do you get to the point of of doing that? Yeah, I think that that is tough. And I I have a hard time sometimes you hear a lot of, well, I have no choice or I had to do it or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think there are definitely situations where in particular with the job issue, 
um, people have families to support, right? You can't always just be like, absolutely. I'm out because I don't agree with everything. I think there are ways to still protest certain things while supporting your family. Um, so that, that one's a little bit tough because it gets a little hairy with like, you are called to support your family, right? So if yeah. that's what you have, you, you have to make those hard decisions. But what I don't like is the saying, like, I don't have a choice because there's always, always a choice. Um, It just depends on the level of what. And I think the quote you just mentioned actually speaks to this a little bit where it says you don't always have to place yourself in maximum peril, I think, or something along those lines is what it said. So, like, we're not always called to just be like standing outside our house on a megaphone, like screaming at people what we think you know there's different situations and things like that so we're not always called to just be like in your face about everything there's there's ways truth and charity right there's ways to say it and do it properly um but i do really think social media is one of the easiest ways as much as it may not seem like it i have a pretty thick skin so it does not get to me too much when they're people i don't know it's it's more upsetting to me if people you do know (laughs) absolutely um say things like that but I get messages all the time from women. I mean, seriously, every day being like, I, I can't bring myself to say anything, or I'm afraid that this will happen or that will happen, or this person will see it or that person will see it. And yeah, it's just crazy because I, I think it's been bred into our society that there's a right way to think here and you're not allowed to have, have another opinion. So. Right. <sighs> Definitely. And so I think, I, you know, yeah, I can like feel myself getting worked up, which is good. I yeah. feel like I rant best and I'm worked up, but you know, it is, it just drives me nuts. I think it's one of my like things recently. I've been like really railing against like people pleasing, um, but you know, in social media and in the podcast. And it's because I think that that's one of the things that's really at the root of all of this. And it's, just, it's an interesting vice that I think Catholics are especially susceptible to, um, especially Catholic women, I think, and I have seen, yep. and it, it, well, it, like it just, it prevents martyrs. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it prevents you from being willing to like truly die to yourself. And it's, it's yeah. so insidious though, because it makes you think that you are dying to yourself when you're being a people pleaser. Cause you are like denying yourself in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're actually not willing to like be disliked. And the reason why I think social media is so easy is because if like, if you're not willing to do it on social, like social media, the majority of the people that I've lost on social media are not like close friends and family members that has happened to an extent you know what I mean? Like I've had friends distance themselves from me and things like that. But for the most mm-hmm. part, it's like people I knew in high school, right. Or people I knew right. in college yeah. that like, we like kind of hung out or whatever, but like, they don't want to hear the stuff I have to say. So they like, they, they bounced and like, awesome, mm-hmm. you know, like who really right. cares? But the majority right. of like my close friends and family, I don't think I've really lost too many people. And to a certain extent, like the people who I have lost have changed in a way. And like their values and things have changed to the point that like, we, we shouldn't even be friends you know, from his perspective or mine, you know, or from her perspective right. or mine, like it just changes. Right. And so I think, but it is such a great training ground. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to go on there like you and I doing right. intentionally create content that is, right. you know, obviously we're not intending to like rile people up, but intentionally create content that is bold and sharing the truth. But it does mean, I think like, even just like sharing stuff here and there, because how many times have you heard from people be like, I just, I thought, I felt like I was alone, mm-hmm. you know, like I yep. thought it was the only one Every who felt day. this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah literally every day i get messages from people saying like i did not know that and i think what you said about um catholic women especially i sort of think i find that with like the catholic 
uh, liberal women movement, that it comes from a good place originally. You know, I mean, the yeah. idea of how they get there comes from a good place out of compassion. And and as women, we tend to, to lead with emotion a lot of times. Um, and so you see these people hurting or whatever, and you want to fix it. So it comes from a good place. But where we lose it is that policy doesn't, usually good policy does not come from emotion. Yeah. What are the results actually of of that happening. So I think you're right that as Catholic women, we have to be careful because it's really easy to fall into like these poor kids. We have to help every single one of them. And there's just a limit to what we can do in this world. Right. Yeah. I was listening to a really, really fun interview of two of my favorite people. I love when like two of my favorite like leaders connect. And so Uh Jordan Peterson was interviewing Dan Crenshaw. And so I bet that was great. Oh yeah. I loved it. It was like two weeks ago. It came out on, on Jordan Peterson's podcast and he, uh, Dan Crenshaw summed up like the way liberals versus conservatives approach change. And I really loved it. And he said that liberals are like the classic, like, when do we want it? Or what do we want blank? You know, like radical change. When do we want it now? And he's like, and conservatives are like, what do we want in- incremental change? <laughs> when do we want it in due time? <laughs> you know, right. uh-huh. and like that is the patience that you can really see. And I'm sure you, you're, you're married. We're preparing for marriage. We're just having a, a marriage prep, uh, like wedding planning conversation right before this. And uh-huh. one of the things that is natural, you know, typically stereotypically and like, like psychologically and biologically to men and women is that women are much better at focusing on like kind of things that do need to happen in the present, right? The people's present feelings, people like being more attentive to that, like caring about the things that need to happen today as where the the men are typically like more longevity thinking, right? And I see that mm-hmm. so much. Like Emily's stressed about what's happening with the wedding. I'm stressed and thinking about and like filling out, uh, you know, mortgage applications so we can buy a house next <laughs> fall, you know? Like uh-huh. I don't really care if we don't have centerpieces at the wedding. Like I care right. if we can't. <laughs> You know no one's I mean? going to remember those, right? Exactly. I heard that a I'm lot. like, what about that house? What about these other things, right? Like I'm planning all mm-hmm. this other stuff for like a year from now. And it's a beautiful right. thing, but it obviously has its friction. And I think that's when we we started to obviously like destroy masculinity. And we have a lot of effeminate men now. And I think you're seeing a lot of this like, well, let's just fix everything right now. I'm always mind blown. Like I follow, I talk about this all the time. Like I follow Joe Biden and Kamala on uh, Instagram to mm-hmm. and i love reading the comments especially kamala's because joe's will be like 50 <laughs> 50 but kamala just gets uh-huh. torched and it's incredible no one likes her it's no i sort of i almost feel bad for her if she wasn't so unlikable but like yeah. no one likes her yeah zero people it's pretty awesome um but i think one thing that's interesting about the, a lot of the comments are always like like the like pay off the student loans you know what i mean like and i'm like you like and it's been like that for like nine months you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you really wanted them to do that immediately. Like, like you had right. no, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no other problems. They thought like, day one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, man, like they really want just like mind blowing, like rapid, massive change mm-hmm. immediately. And it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy to see. And in a country this size to think that that's the way things are going to work is, or should. is almost right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I know people that voted for them just specifically for that exact reason for the, the free college, which is not i guess it's a little amusing that now they're they're seeing that does not just happen overnight so right absolutely not but i'm curious because you you're a convert right so i'm just curious how does that is your family like how do they how do they deal with that i'm just curious how they dealt with that with me being catholic yeah i think supportive of that or yeah i think for most of my family me being catholic was a lot easier than me being conservative 
Um, oh, I really? really conversions okay. in both. Yeah. So okay. I think, uh, <clears throat> so for my mom's family, I would say me being Catholic is more, um, can be more of a friction point. It's not much of one. It's very, very little mm-hmm. and very rare that it's ever, uh, a thing or brought up. Like my wedding will mm-hmm. be like the next time that it's like kind of a thing for any of them. Um, and especially it was more of a thing when I was like graduating from like eighth grade and high school. And like, we had like mass with a lot of like school events, um, or my college graduation, things like that. Um, but the wedding will be kind of the next one. Then my dad's side, a lot of them are like pretty, some are like pretty hard Democrats. Some are just like not conservative. Um, and there's some, there's some little people on my mom's side as well, but, uh, yeah, I think they've all been pretty open to me being Catholic. Cause I don't think many of them are like staunchly whatever they are. You know, which I feel like is so mm-hmm. common. I've had a lot of obviously like many, many Protestant friends over the years, and they seldom will try to like talk me into not being Catholic because it's kind of just like everything's the same. You just kind of go with it to whatever feels right to you. Yeah, you know? people don't know what they believe, including Catholics. I'm including oh, Catholics yeah. in, in that, yeah. but people really it it's very few and far between where you find people that actually know what they believe. And I Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we, I think we would be a lot better even in this country with debate if people actually knew why they believed what they believed. Yeah. I find that to be one of the biggest issues is why we always have so much friction and it's so much um, just kind of back and forth because it's a lot of, well, I read this in a meme and I read this in a different meme and that's what you're fighting over instead of like, what, what are the actual issues and, and actually knowing why you believe what you believe. So that that makes sense to me that. Yeah. And it's something that always blows my mind. I talked about, I just did a, a series on why, why I'm Catholic. Um, uh-huh. And I think, you know, one of the things that's always interesting to me is that more Protestants don't like dive deeper into that. I'm, I'm surprised that more Catholics and Protestants don't, but I give Catholics the like benefit of the doubt on the fact that like, they can like accurately assume that there is stuff out there that proves that. You know, right. like I think of, I, I just had somebody ask me the other day, it was kind of somebody who was falling away Catholic, a friend of mine from college and he's recently married. And he's like, you know, we, I don't think they got married in the church. And uh, he was like, yeah, we're kind of like venturing back. And I really feel it's calling. He listened to the podcast. So he was like, you know, do you have any like resources or books recommendations? I had like seven, right? Like off the t- I'm like, uh-huh. just woke up. You know what I mean? Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I throw him seven books in order right. of what I recommend, um, the uh-huh. pros and cons of each. And it's like, there is no like, why were Elevation Church? But there is a why we're Catholic, right. you know, by Trent Horn. There yeah. is like, there's 2000 years of that stuff. Uh, but there mm-hmm. is no like, yeah, you know, why we're Transformation Church or why we're Bethel. Right. Like that doesn't exist. Right. And there's a mm-hmm. reason for that. Right. And, and because there is, they can't write the book. Right? Like, there's no way right. you can't write it. Right. Like, Who actually does know the answer to that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> probably not, not even their leaders. So, so yeah. Yeah. So we'll just write some like fun other like cute book, you know, that's more like Rachel Hollis or something. Um, we'll just have a concert today and everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just great music. <laughs> and nobody, nobody asked deep questions, right. but yeah, I want to jump back to something you said there that I thought was really important was the, the emphasis on choice. Cause this is so, this is like so central to seeking excellence is people understanding that they have choice in life and the, the media, the progressives, like they try to like squash that out for all of us. Right. And it's just like, you're a woman. So like, you don't have the choice, like you're oppressed and you don't have any choices. And like, you have to believe this, like you have to be pro-choice and you have to be this, all these other things, right? I'm a black man. I have to believe all these other things. I have to be like supporter of BLM and all this other crap. And like, it always makes me think of when people are just like, well, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. And and how often we hear that with the vaccine and with many other things, right? Uh, Over the last two years, 
of people just kind of going along with gender ideology, CRT, teachers that don't believe in it, all these other, all, like all these different professions that are just kind of going along with things. And it just always makes me think of on a much smaller scale, obviously, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, exaggerating this, but it reminds me of the, what the Nuremberg trials must've been like, where you had, you know, these Nazi these German leaders who supported Nazi leadership and they just executed orders, right. Um, did these horrific things and they just were executing orders. And I'm like, how far would people be willing to go for that? You know, as I learn more and more about like the insidious nature of, of Anthony Fauci, of if you learn about like George Soros and, and Bill Gates and like these big actors in the world, right? Like you, you just have to, you just have to wonder all these other people who granted don't know as much as we probably do, right? Cause they don't read or listen to the things that teach us these things, but still like one of Jordan Peterson's like 12 rules for life in the second book is 12 more rules is like, don't do anything that you hate. And he's like talking about like, when you do things that you don't agree with this, eventually you start to hate yourself and it's the most miserable yeah. existence. Yeah. So why do you think it is like, what do you think it is? Like, where do people draw the line? Do you, do you have the fear that like, like what's your expectation of the future? I guess. Like, do you think if we do face persecution, like we're just losing 90% of the church <laughs> and conservatives or what do you think it yeah. goes? Yeah, I think it's a big question. Um, I think the first part of that is kind of, do people have a limit? And I do think, so I, I have my issues with, with Trump, like everybody else. Right. But, um, one of the things I think he did really well is he got people who didn't care before to care. He was kind of good at getting, getting people to care just from speaking to people in a way that politicians normally don't. Right. So that's one of the things I really appreciated about him. And I think some of that has carried over into even the presidency now that a lot of people I know for sure, a lot of people that did not care before that do now. So I, I appreciate Mm -hmm. that, but I think as far as the church getting smaller, um, Pope Benedict actually said that, I believe there's a quote from him. Oh yeah. I don't know the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of the church is going to get very small and we're not going to have the social privileges that the church has now and all those things. And, um, I actually recently posted something about that if you, when you get to where you have to answer on your final judgment day, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the Pope answering for you. It's not going to be your employer yeah. answering for you. It's going to be you answering for you. So that for me is a huge driving force of like, who who's actually standing in front of God on that final day and having to say, well, I didn't have a choice because I right. do not want to be that person. <laughs> but I don't think people think of it that way. We have a very earthly mindset, which I fall into all the time too. And I think in the end, like, like he said about the church getting small, it usually is a small percentage of people that are willing yep. to stand up. I, I think, I believe the stat for the American revolution was like 9% of the people yeah, who right. fought at all. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, and like that's 20% a, wanted the, it. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like no <laughs> one else even like, wanted don't it do this. Just stay <laughs> or didn't for the care. Comfort. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, the comfort the comfort level, like you said, that is a huge driving force for people. And I just, I don't know how you, I, I don't know that you're ever going to get a majority to stand up to things like that, but I don't think that you need a majority Yeah. because again, like a lot of people are willing to go along with it. So if you have enough voices that are willing to fight back, you may get some people following along with you. But I think, like you said, you can't be a pessimist in the church because we know who wins Either in the way, end. It's a so, dub. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're kind of we're kind of called to be optimists in a way if we're Christian. Um, but I I do see the the church getting 
very small as, as Pope Benedict said. So I, I do kind of think it's going to go that way, but, but I do think that you'll also see great leaders rise up out of that because I think you always do when those, when, when hard times come, you see some really great leaders rise up out of that. Yeah. And I think we have a few now, um, but hopefully some more out of our church would be, would be great. I'd that love would be to awesome. see a little more of that. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I think is like the critical, like, uh, foundational question of like recognizing that we have choices, just really, are you willing to suffer? Mm-hmm. Because I see so often, same thing, like the reason why I say it's so core to seeking excellence to recognize that we have choices, because how many times do people say, well, I don't have time to go work out because I have, you know, I didn't have any time this week. And it's like, you did like, did you watch TV? Did you BS on your phone? Did you, you know, mm-hmm. go to bed when you should have, did you spend time, you know, in conversations that you could have not been in, you know, wasting time at work. Right. There's so many different things. If you're honest with yourself and you do that evaluation, I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have, and it's like, no, you chose not to. And for some of that stuff, right? Priorities, like, right? Yeah. If you choose to not go to the gym, like that's okay for, mm-hmm. if that's what you choose, but like, but own that. Own like, it, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I chose yeah. to, I chose to watch TV and, and sometimes I do that. Right. And like, sometimes we mm-hmm. have, like, sometimes you should, you know, like yeah. you, you should sometimes choose to watch a football game instead of going to like, it's okay to like relax and rest and do these things. Like, I chose to go like have coffee with a friend instead of going to daily mass. Like obviously you don't want to do that forever. Right. And just like never go to mass, but like a daily mass isn't an obligation. And like, sometimes it's good to, if your friend's in town or something, like it's okay to choose that. But then at the end of the week, be like, that's what I chose to prioritize this week. But I feel like so often people don't want to recognize that like sometimes in order to do more, you have to suffer or like give up something else. Right. Like you don't want to say, okay, I'm going to add this into my schedule. What am I going to take out? In a similar way, we want all these like great things and like the fruits of the Holy spirit and like the beauty of our faith. But like Jesus asks us, you know, are you willing to suffer? And if you're not, then you're just, you're not going to make it. And I think we don't like for so long and I'm not somebody who's like super anti Vatican II, but I do think like since then, like the spirit of Vatican II has suppressed this um, like a lot of the messaging around, like this is supposed to be hard and it's going to be, you know? And like, nobody anymore is going to skate by with like easy paths to heaven. Like we're just out of that time. And like, it's like, sorry, you know, like, I'm sorry that you can't have it the way that it used to be, but uh, this is what we have now. And like, are you going to be a part of this or not? And I think a lot of people are not ready to like actually embrace that. Yeah. So I think it's been a while, right. Since we, as as our generation has never really had to face that face, any real hardships, I would say, at least I'm speaking for myself. I can say, you know, there's things I could pick out in my life that were difficult times, but as far as any real true hardships, I can't, I couldn't tell you what that would be for me. Um, but I think that it's really already happening. We're getting back to the martyrdom concept here. It's already happening in other countries, right? Christians are being persecuted and killed for their faith every day. Absolutely. So I don't know that it'll be our generation, but if not, it'll be our kids. If, you know, if things don't turn around from the yeah. direction that they're going. So I definitely, I don't want to be, you know, it's not like a pessimist either, but I do think that that's a real possibility. Now I do think there is traditionally, right. There's a, the, I think it's called red martyrdom is when you are, die for your faith. And then there's a white martyrdom, which is just when you're standing up for your faith and you're going to face persecution in your like life. Suffering. Which yeah. I, yeah. Which I have a tendency to think is more likely what we're all going to face at this point. Yeah. Um, but who knows, right. We've seen how fast things can, can change. And yeah. 
I've actually, I try to ask myself this. I try to say this in my prayers in the morning. I, I don't want to suffer. I just want to throw that out there. Like I'm not excited about yeah. it. So like that is not where I'm at, but I pray for the grace to want to suffer because the saints did, right? They prayed right. for the opportunity to, to have that suffering. And I'm just not there yet, but I also pray for the courage that if, if it comes to that, I try to put myself in that position. What would I do? You know, I want to say like, I will, I will stick by my faith and I will stand by my principles, but have we really been faced with a challenge that's so tough yet where I have had to make that call? And for me, because my feelings don't get hurt that easily, I guess, I don't think I've ever had a challenge in my life yet that was like, gosh, I don't know what to do here. Um, But I do think it could get there, you know, especially if they're, they're coming after your family or whatever that is. Yeah. What are you willing to give up? And I think it's worth thinking about now before you're faced with that. Oh, decision. you have to think about it. Ahead of time. And yeah, and putting yourself in the. I don't think there's the been any martyrs, of, like, or at least very few, who have been like on the spot. You know, make the right. Change. Like, oh, I guess <laughs> yeah. I'll be a martyr. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I do <laughs> yeah. feel like dying today for my faith. You know, like. Yeah. Beat, I didn't yesterday, but today me. I guess. It's yeah. Beat yes. the hell out of me just for not stepping yeah, on that torture. statue of Mary. So, yeah. <laughs> The yeah. stories they tell about the torture are worse for me. I'm like, if you're just going to shoot me, like, go for it. But if yeah, it's going to be, be all torture, I got a whole other thing there to go. So anyway, my point there is just <laughs> spend the time now before you're faced with any of those things. Kind of put yourself in those positions and really pray for the courage and the strength to, if you are put in those positions, to be able to to make that choice. Like you said, it's going to come yeah. down to a choice even with that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I have wrote down so many things there, but I want to go back to like thinking about, um, you know, I think it's interesting thing. I think we, and some, I say this too, like we say, it's like, I don't want to be pessimistic. And sometimes I think it's just being realistic. And I find myself mm-hmm. saying this all the time. I think it's almost one of the like subconscious things that even those of us who believe this stuff can fall into of thinking that it's negative. Because like we said, we, we've admitted, you know, it's kind of like an oxymoron th- saying it's negative because it's really not, but um, mm-hmm. but still like, we kind of have this like, na- like natural inclination to be like, oh, we're pessimistic. If we think that things are going to be bad. And I think we just have to be realistic. You know, like I think of, I, so I, I think this is a funny story. We laughed about it really hard when I was in infantry school. One of my friends had gone to basic training. It's kind of a dark joke, but I'm going to tell it anyways. And okay. <laughs> was, I'm always up for a dark joke. So go yeah. for it. <laughs> so we have these Kevlar helmets, right. And, and it's like what you wear when you're in combat and things like that. You train in them and everything. And so <laughs> when he was in basic training, some privates in the army are great. They're the most talented, greatest like kids in the world. Some of them are absolute idiots. And so some of them are arguing as to whether or not the Kevlar helmet is bulletproof. And they're like going back and forth, like yelling at each other. One's like, yes, it is. It's bulletproof. And the one's like, no, it's not. You're an idiot. And eventually the drill sergeant came over. and was like, privates, listen up. If you get shot in the head, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> just all like erupted in laughter. And one of my friends, Wes Duff, used to tell all the time, and he's really funny and goofy, and he would tell us a story. And he would just like, whenever we were kind of down, he'd just be like, if you get shot in the head, you will die. You will die. Yeah. It's like, it's like, that's not pessimistic, right? Like, that's just this right. reality, right? Like, it's just right. like, if this we, is the answer. Yeah. And I kind of view that as the same way as like, if we have socialism in America, you will suffer. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. your church will be like, under government control like we will be underground you know right (laughs) things are gonna be bad like uh, that's not realistic yep yeah and i think that sometimes (laughs) people view that as like a negative thing but i just think that that's kind of like we need to like recommend like have people recognize what what that's gonna take or what that's what's gonna happen if that happens but i think the other thing that i think is always interesting i've always been intrigued by how people dog the apostles 
right? Like we love to like mm. talk about like Peter denied Christ three times and Judas was so terrible. He sold Christ out. And it's like, how is that? Like, you, do you know what percentage of people today would have done much worse? Like Peter right. denied oh, Christ sure. three times and like still stuck around. Like people today would have been like, ow, like I'm out of town. You know what I yeah. mean? Like most yeah. of us would just fully bounce. I mean, Judas, like selling him for money. It's like, don't we do the same? It's the same thing with you talking about, you know, uh, the jobs and stuff like that. How many people mm-hmm. could legitimately leave their jobs that they're morally, you know, compromising on and choose not to? Isn't that a small example of selling Jesus out for, for silver? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I just an example of that, I guess, is we were about to get married and Alec was a special education. My husband was a special education teacher. Mm. Um, and it just had gotten to the point where it was like he either was going to have to do the things that they, wanted him to do or he was gonna have to leave those were kind of his options the, yeah um the and his last week there they had a uh critical race theory training mm. and they had all the teachers sitting in an auditorium every teacher in this high school and they asked them the the leaders said who here doesn't think this country is racist and he was the only one to raise his hand out of a whole entire high school of teachers Legend. But after the meeting, about half of them came up to him and said, thanks for doing that. We wish we could have, but, and he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm out of here. Like, this is ridiculous. Nobody is willing. Yeah. I'm going to be the only one here that's willing to say anything. And it, it does, you wish that that would start a chain reaction. But anyway, point of that is he left that and is now starting a career as an insurance salesman, which is great, but it takes some time to get off the ground. Right. So right now we're, we're definitely having to pinch pennies. It's not comfortable. Um, it's not easy. And he would have had a, you know, he had cushy benefits there. He had all of those things, but, but what can you put up with? What are yeah. you willing to, to give up? But I What's think an example yeah. even, even closer to home is, I don't know uh, if you saw this, I talked about it the other day, but how much money the USCCB is taking from the government. Um, so speaking of selling, yeah, so I believe the stat is between 2008 and 2015, the USCCB received $2 billion from the federal government for refugee resettlement. So over wow. the span of seven years. Um, and then I want to say it's something like last year, or 2019 is the last time they have it reported. It was something like $52 million in grants in a year. So I would say that's an even closer example to selling Jesus out for money. Yeah. Now you can, you could argue with me on that one, but I think that the USCCB, you see a lot of what they do jive with the government. And if you want to know yep. why you usually follow the money. So I, I think you're right that we want to think we would never be those, those people. We would never be the apostles. We would never do that. But if you put yourself back in their position, it was almost crazier for them. Like Jesus is walking among them and they're like, hold on a second. Everyone thinks they're crazy. You know, it's yeah. be really easy to sell them saw out him, at that yeah. point in time. Get the absolute snoppy out of them. And now right, they're, yeah. they're like, don't you know him? See and you're like, hell yeah. no. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know him. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's wild, man. And I think people don't recognize yeah. that. And we don't have this. There's another funny story that Emily told me of one of her coworkers uh, was that went outside and his kids were like, about like tying up the one like he has like five boys right and they were like tying up oh, the one yep. boy like like doing <laughs> like all this right. stuff. And he was like what in the world are you doing they're like we're playing martyrs <laughs> right oh. it was, like, it's amazing right it's like the greatest story of the world and you love to see it yeah. but like that's the kind of uh view i think we have to have right it's the same thing as like like obviously we both of us i think we would agree like we're not at places where we're like desiring suffering but at the same time like i do have this just like heroic view 
and you might remember before when we prayed before we started, like I, I always prayed to St. Thomas more beforehand. And mm-hmm. just in, like the last like four months of my life, he's really like just been like top of mind for me. And I really want like his like yeah. classic photo, you know, to like be in my office one day and like have a really nice um, yeah. image of it. Because I just think I'm like, man, like who's a better, I've always wondered and like sought after like, who would be like my patron saint? Obviously I love St. Joseph. We love like mm-hmm. St. John Paul II. Uh, it's Emily's mm-hmm. favorite saint. And I'm like, I feel I was like, man, I feel like I don't have like a, like a saint homie, you know, like I've got a bunch right, of like, I've yeah. kind of like dabbled in <laughs> and just like, I've been praying about that for like the last year. And then like at the end of the year, like St. Thomas More just like top of mind, you know, like he was just constantly coming mm-hmm. up and I'm like, who better for me, you know, like, and all the stuff that like I believe in and want to stand for, um, right. great defender of traditional marriage, a martyr, a layman. Um, yeah. so just awesome dude. But I'm like, that's the kind of stuff, like we need to be like honoring and like, and, and JP two is a great example of this too, you know, like a staunch uh, defender of, of freedom and, and stood up against communism, got, almost got killed for it. Right. They had attempt on his life, mm-hmm. but I think we have to like heroic, like those kids did like heroically look up to these heroes and be like, we do want to emulate them. You know, like I always kind of make like the half joke of my, my bottom half of my sleeve is, is Jesus and Mary. And I'm like, I don't want there to be like any, like I can take my necklace off. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, if they're coming yeah. around, like cleaning up the Catholics, like I want it to be like, <laughs> I am it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, take me. Yeah. You know? Um, and obviously I'm not saying everybody should go do that. And that's not the only reason I got those tattoos, but it is part of it. Sure. And I legitimately thought about that when I was like suffering the pain of getting them of like, mm-hmm. you know, if I have to like, if they force me to take these off someday, you know what I mean? If I like lose my yeah. arm because of this, like if, it, <laughs> if things get in, insane, um, uh-huh. I'm like, good, like, like let it happen. And I think we have to like have that kind of like approach similar to soldiers, you know, that are like willing to die for it, like to really build that up and be like, we legit are the church militant. Like you might lose your life for this. Yeah. I think there's something you said in there too, that is, is good to point out, which is that, you know, we're both saying we don't really want that necessarily, but in a way, you know, you like St. Thomas More, he had so much to lose. Right. I don't think he wanted that. He wasn't excited about it. He had no. a really, you know, prestigious position. So not all the saints were just sitting around waiting, like somebody come and, and kill me for my faith. You know, they, and he they had were a living family. in, yeah. And he was living in the world, you know, I mean, he was, he had a political position. So I think it's something important to remember because I, I think we do lose sight of the fact that we need people out in, in the world doing these things too. Nothing wrong with mm-hmm. being in ministry or, you know, right. having a vocation priesthood or anything. But I think it's important to remember because I get a lot of people saying, like, I don't really know how I can change anything. I don't know how in my life yes. I can do anything. The saints lived out in the world. You know, they right? had these yeah. kind of jobs and they weren't looking for, for persecution, but it found them because of the way that they lived and the way they believed. So I think that's just important for people to remember because I think they lose sight of, they think if they don't work in you know, youth ministry, then they don't make an impact, but you, you do in everything that you do, people notice. So, yeah. And think about, I mean, every excuse that we've listed for why you could even like, like actually like rightfully discern to not, you know, cause trouble in the world, mm-hmm. like St. Thomas More had, you know, yeah. like he was a father, he had kids, he had a wife to take care of. My man went to law school. Like he like grinded <laughs> to get to where he was. Then he worked his way up. Yeah. He did have a prestigious position. Even think about the rationalization of people trying to talk him out of it and just be like, dude, like he literally just wants you to like sign something, you know? And he just wanted yeah, like, no King deal, Henry, right? yeah. King Henry VIII just wanted him to sign uh, like this agreement that like his, he, he was getting divorced and wanted to marry somebody else. And he wanted him to be like, this is a valid marriage. And he's like, I will not do that. 
And it's like, you know, think about it. Like if you're St. Thomas more friend and you're trying to talk him out of it, it's like, he's still going to go through with it, whether you mm-hmm. do it or not. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to change anything. He's still going to be the head of the church in England. Like your family's still going to have to live on without you. And he's like, it's not worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's well, so and look at what, look at what it did change. You know, like you exactly. think in the moment, I mean, we're talking what is about it going to matter? But yeah, exactly. A long time ago. <laughs> So in the moment you think this is a small thing, this is, you know, I'll just do it and and get by. But in the long run, it does, it does matter. All those, the small things are really what builds you up to be able to say no to the big things. Right. So, yes, absolutely. So that is important. So, yeah. So talking about that, like, how do you handle, obviously you get a lot of negativity and pushback, but like talking about suffering, you know, and uh, small things preparing us for greater suffering and, and small things preparing us for bigger tasks. Like how, how do you kind of process like the days where you get a lot of, a lot of nice messages? Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because usually you start to figure out, and I'm sure you have some of this too. You start to figure out, I'm going to post this and I know how it's going to go. Oh yeah. I know what I'm going to get. Um, and, and I think you do start to attract an audience that wants to hear what you have to say. So that is actually, in a way it's yeah, less at the beginning every time. it can be tough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's out. actually right. And that's actually yeah. part of the hard part when people are starting out, which is why it's always hard to tell people like just start because it's going to be a little tough at the beginning. That's when you got a lot of people that you are weeding out. But Absolutely. then anytime you hit a growth spurt of any kind, you kind of get the same same thing. So I think that yeah. the biggest thing the biggest thing for me is Again, when they're strangers, it's a little easier for me to push that off. Um, but actually, I don't know if you know who Melody is from The Essential Mother. That's her, her I don't uh, think Instagram so. name. She's great, but she, she's actually hard to find because she's shadow banned a lot. But um, she kind of taught me that it's okay to block people. It's okay to, like, I've limited my comments to only people who follow me. Mm. And some of that is just a matter of protecting your peace you don't owe people on social media anything, which I think is like kind of a hard concept. You start to feel like you do owe them something. Right. Um, and the reason I did that was because sometimes people find you through a hashtag. They don't follow you. It's the only post they've ever seen. They don't know your heart. They don't know anything about you. Yeah. And then they'll say something nasty that'll ruin your day. And it's like, this is just not worth it to me. If people follow me and they have something constructive, I'm all about having a, a constructive conversation. I love when people challenge me on things that that makes me think. But if it's just there to say a nasty comment, it's not worth it. So I guess my my main thing on that is on social media, don't be afraid to block people or or set boundaries oh, yeah. for your your piece. That's I have no problem with that. I think I did used to have a problem with it because I thought it was sort of restricting people having their opinions, but but it's not. It's just that they can still have that opinion, just not <laughs> not yeah, in a nasty way towards yeah. towards me, you know. Yeah. But um, I think in real life, again, it's actually harder because you don't want to oh, definitely. alienate people, your family, your friends. So you do have to approach it in a different uh, manner. But the other thing I would say about that is you change a lot more minds by having a relationship with people first. So yeah. I don't think you have to come in all guns blazing with everyone you meet and being like, look, this is the way it is. You build that relationship on things you have in common first and then when those sort of topics come up, that's kind of when we have those conversations in friends and family situations. And I have had some friends distance themselves and even some family um, over those things. Typically, I'm not even the one who brings it up, typically, yeah. <laughs> it's them, but then it kind of ends up with them distancing themselves. But I've learned to be okay with that as long as 
I treated it respectfully, you know, the situation respectfully. So I think if you make sure that you treat the situation the way that you think it should be treated and you speak the truth and charity, then if people stick around, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. And you, you do kind of have to learn to be okay with that if you're going to speak your mind. Right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think one of the things that's beautiful with even the kind of like refinement, right? So it's, it's so funny talking about how like, yeah, you lose a lot of people over time, but then you have like big pushes. It's so funny, right? So yeah. I always, <laughs> I'm always laughing about that because I don't often like check my insights or things like that, but I do think it's entertaining sometimes to see like, I'll have, you know, 200 people follow me, but I've only gained like 12 followers because I've had 188 right. followers at the same time. <laughs> you made a lot of other people mad. So they're yeah, all, exactly. Yeah. So they bounce. And sometimes they'll come because like I post some like funny stuff for a few days and like random things. And mm-hmm. then and then I start yep. talking about like BLM and everybody's gone, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. But I think one of the beautiful yeah. things of it is it's very humbling and it keeps me honest and it helps me to be mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not doing this for, I don't have like a dream. If I, if I had a hundred thousand followers one day, great, but it's not like my goal, right? right? Like I don't write that down as like my dream or goal. Right. Um, and so that's not, that's not why I do it. Right. Like I do it because mm-hmm. like now my, my point is to really strive to encourage and bolden and form the people who will have those kind of interpersonal conversations with people and they might not be willing to do it. And I think the way that we help with that, and this is what this segues into uh, one of the last questions I want to ask you is one of the main reasons why people don't evangelize, one of the main reasons why people don't stand up for what they believe in politically is they don't feel like they know enough to actually mm-hmm. answer the questions, right? And so what has been your process of um, like learning or like, what do you do for like ongoing education on these things? Because you talk about a lot of different topics um, and I try to talk about a lot of different things as well. And it's it's tough. You know, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff out there. You can get hit with some other things and people bring up other topics and it's like, <laughs> you kind of have to know your areas of weakness and your areas yeah. of expertise. You know what I mean? Yeah. But how do you, yeah. What do you, where do you go to learn? Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think, like you said, as soon as you put something out there, all of a sudden somebody has a stat you've never heard before. You've never read before. Cause we're not experts, right? We're, we're putting out what we've found and what we've Absolutely. researched. So one thing I would say is that don't be afraid to say, Hey, I was wrong about that. I've had to do that a few times. Like, Hey, I, I was wrong about that. And I think people have a really hard time doing that. Cause you want to look like, you know what you're talking about. And I mean, I don't love it either, but there are times yeah, where you just have fun. to say, <laughs> Hey, I screwed up, you know? And what I've found through that is when you do people actually end up trusting you more because they know that if you do find out different information or better information that you're not going to be afraid to be like, Hey, I was wrong. Here's, here's what it is. But um, that's just a little plug for don't be afraid <laughs> to not know everything. Cause you, you won't, and no one does. Um, but the way that I try to find things out, typically I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, when I'm doing busy work or whatever. So that'll get me started on a topic and then I will start researching it. And I don't remember where I heard this quote, but it's something like in the age of information, um, ignorance is a choice. So I don't think that means you need to be an expert in every single thing, but I do think that means that if there's a topic that's interesting to you, go learn about it. Like there is everything you could possibly want to know on the internet or on a podcast or in a book. You can find out anything you want to know these days. So if we're not constantly learning, then I don't think we're doing what we're, what we're called to do really. Now, I do think that looks different for people in different stages of their life. Like for you and I right now, you know, we don't have kids right now. We have a a lot more dispensable time, I guess. Not that we're not busy, but you know what I mean? There's not somebody demanding our our attention. 
Um, so that's going to look a little different in different seasons of your life, but, but there's nothing stopping you from listening to a podcast every day or something along those right. lines. Again, it, it's a choice. It's a priority. So, so I would say for me, the main place that I find out my information is podcast, just cause that's the easiest form for me to be doing something else and listening. Sure. But a topic will just sort of like catch my attention and then I'll just sit down and do some research on it and try to try to make some notes. Um, so I think that's sort of another thing is don't be afraid to, to share that with people. Like you said, that is a huge reason why people don't say anything. Cause they're like, I just don't know enough. And sometimes all you need is two or three facts. And I can probably bet you the other people probably don't have two or three facts because yeah, again, people don't know why they believe what they believe. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes you don't need to know everything about a topic. You just need to know a few things that inform your decision and, and be willing to share those. And I be willing to bet you a lot of the time they're not going to have anything to come back with you. <laughs> Yeah. Because they, they don't know why they think what they think. So, right. No, absolutely. I, I, uh, I've always worked with like categories and lists have always kind of mm -hmm. been my jam. And so like, even I can even remember back when I like, wasn't super like interested in politics and wasn't really well formed in it for sure. But like in my teenage years, like mm -hmm. I always felt like the big three were like, uh, abortion, uh, death penalty and gay marriage. But like my three mm -hmm. topics that like I wanted to like learn more about and like always like kind of wrestled with. Um, I was always pro-life, but I really struggled, especially back then with like the gay marriage stuff, mainly not ever for the church, but really like as an American. And like, I was kind of a little bit more libertarian at that point and just kind of like, mm -hmm. how do we like, you know, negate other people from doing what they want? And we could right. do a whole nother podcast talking about those three things. <laughs> probably, a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where we stand on it, where I stand on it now, where you stand on it. But um, I think, uh, you know, I still kind of do that. My list have just gotten a lot longer, obviously, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you think about all these different areas and it's like, okay, so I know that I'm, I'm weaker for sure on, uh, environmental issues, right? Like, I don't know a ton about that, uh, nearly as much as I'd like to. And it's a big one. So it's like, people are really passionate mm -hmm. about it. Um, I'm not like huge, hugely like formed on economics. Uh, my foreign mm -hmm. policy is decent. It's not amazing. Uh, I definitely know a lot more American history than the average American, but still would like to really step my game up. Um, but I know that I'm really strong in race. I'm really strong in pro-life movement, uh, gender theory, critical race theory, BLM, um, generally against like socialism and Marxism, like formed in those topics. So you kind of like develop like your strengths and weaknesses. Right. And then like literally right. in my yearly goals, I sit down and will write out like, what do I want to learn more about this year? You know, like which mm -hmm. areas am I going to learn more about? But I still think it's good for like everybody to kind of have their like strong suits, you know what I mean? Like your strong mm -hmm. points. And then, like you said, like yeah. I got really excited because uh, Dan Crenshaw is on the on like the committee for environmental issues. And so Jordan mm -hmm. Peterson really wanted to ask him about it. So I'm listening to that part of the podcast where I just paused it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like going deeper into that. Right. I want to learn more about the COVID stuff, which is why I'm reading the book about Anthony Fauci right now. And so like all that stuff, like you, you there's so much to learn. Right. And there's enough. You can be overwhelmed just trying to learn that much about the faith to evangelize. And then you throw in like politics and stuff on top of it. And it's like, man, there's a ton, but it's exciting. Right. And it is fun when you make it a part of your day. But what are some of your, your favorite podcasts that you listen to on a regular basis? Huge Daily Wire fan. Um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of Daily Wire, but I actually- Who's your go-to um, within, within them? It's funny. It goes back and forth. I the, It always comes back to Ben Shapiro. I love him. Um, and I think the reason is because he talks about a range of topics, whereas I feel mm -hmm. like- like he talks about foreign policy, he brings in everything. Whereas a lot of times, uh, I love Matt Walsh's um, 
personality, but he sticks really close to home with everything, which is great. But that's just like, I like, you know, having the worldview. Um, and I disagree with Ben Shapiro on some things, which almost makes it more mm. interesting to me. Cause then it's kind of like, Hmm, I wonder, and then I'll, you know, I'll do my research to see if, if I'm right or he's right kind of thing, or if I think I'm right anyway. Yeah. Um, he's kind of, so he's kind of my go-to. And then I just recently started listening to the Joe Rogan podcast just because of the guests mm. that he had on recently. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he'd be an everyday listen for me. Sure. A lot of his guests aren't, aren't that interesting to me but yeah but yeah i love i love um that he's willing to have the people on that nobody else is willing to have on yeah i'm a big fan of supporting that so so yeah i think those are my go-tos um i will sometimes listen to the unraveled podcast i don't know if you know about that one um i don't think it's just so two cat two catholic women that they just talk oh, okay. about different topics and um that one's a good one i without throwing anybody under the bus, there's a lot of Catholic women podcasts out there that I find that are not super helpful in any way that I can find. It's more like a oh, girl yeah. chat, which is totally fine, but that's just not my thing. I just don't listen to them for that, that reason. So yeah, that's not my thing, but, but yeah, those are probably my go-tos. Um, for the faith, I do more reading, I would say. Okay. Um, just because, I feel like I get a overview of topics, but when I read, I feel like I can get a lot more in depth Definitely. with things. So that's usually the direction I go with, with faith stuff. I just that's recently cool. read a book called the St. Gallen mafia. I don't know if you've heard about that, I haven't. Not, but if you want to dive into the corruption in the church, that's a great place to start. So really? there you go. There's my recommendation. For that. <laughs> that's awesome. It talks a lot it. about how the current Pope got into where he is now. So it's very oh. interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I will yeah. definitely have to add that to my, my wish list. My <laughs> Amazon wish That's list. right. Put that on your list. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to ask you more about if you have any other book recommendations, but first you just hit me, you just hit an important topic. I think um, when it comes to the the other like female podcasts, I obviously don't want to dog anybody either. Sure. And I think this is true for a lot of people in the Catholic world. And part of why I love, and, and, you know, I randomly, when I feel like you're getting a lot of hate, like try to send you like support messages, you know, and like there's only a few people out there who really, yeah, speak the bold truth. And it's funny how, like, even so many people with like bigger accounts will message me when I'm sharing, you know, on some pretty hot topics and be like, man, thank you for saying that. And like, Mm -hmm. I do get frustrated with it because to me, if you feel that way and you feel passionate about it and you have the platform and you're not willing to say it, it's because you want to keep the platform. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't have anything to do with like you not feeling that way or you not feeling like you should or your job. Like, it's just like, you just don't feel like, like you don't want to lose your followers. You know what I mean? Like, and I get that because it's, it's mm-hmm. difficult. Right. And it takes humility to like, cause it's fun. Right. Like you, like it'd be fun to have 10,000 followers. Right. And right. More people yeah. Who doesn't want 10,000 people to like you, you know, yeah. but- <laughs> like it'd be, it'd be awesome. But at the same time, right. I don't want 10,000 people following me that, that think I'm something I'm not. Right. And so that's more important to me. But I just want to talk to you about like the podcast. I think I'm so interested. I get, and it comes from men and women that'll be like, yeah, I want to start a podcast or a friend wants to start a podcast. I'm like, oh, what's going to be about it? It's going to be like the Catholic faith. And I'm like, dude, there's like 8,000 of those. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not telling you not to, but like, but damn, man, like, like that's, mm-hmm. and I, it's interesting thing, but that's like part of my drive to like do seeking excellence and talk about all these different topics, like a wide range of things of like teaching people how to invest, like Emily and I doing like relationship issues and then talking about mental health with therapists and talking about, right. you know, fitness stuff with physical trainers. We have a fitness one coming out on Thursday. And it's like, I mm-hmm. love talking about these wide ranges because I think that the church doesn't talk about them enough. And it's like, be a voice for the mm-hmm. things that are very necessary that aren't getting talked about enough. 
don't just come on and be another voice. Like, not that it's bad to post scripture passages or things like that, but for the love of the Lord, you're not going to be like, like there's people out there. Like you have father Mike, you have Bishop Barron, like you have, you know, uh, Catholic answers. Like you have some deep theologians that are already Mm -hmm. doing this stuff. Tim Gray, like you're not going to drown them out. Right. But they're not willing sometimes to talk about BLM or about emotional health or whatever it is. So it's like, there's so much need. And I just get, it's like, everybody wants to go to the, the place that's kind of already oversaturated. And it's always like this heady theology that doesn't even like actually approach or evangelize people who are, yeah. Like the people who are not interested in the faith, aren't listening to it. And it's like you, there's such a small audience of people who want to hear like theology talk twice a week. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think we we lost like the practicality somewhere along the way. And I actually think this goes back to like, I, hopefully your experience is better, but I've been to a lot of masses in my life. Like, well, like a lot. And I would say that I've heard very, very few homilies that were anything that was a practical application. Right. Right. Not that they're bad, but it's a lot of like, Jesus says to love everyone. And it's like, okay, Great. Like that's not this bad. This word actually but comes like, from the Greek, you know. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, give me Israel some de- Okay, what am I supposed to do here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, give God. me some details here. Yeah. I've even been talking about that lately with like, um, we won't dive into that whole topic, but the churches stand on um, how abortive fetal cells are used. Why have I never ever heard that from in a homily? You know, I mean, that is like a practical thing that people face in their real life. Like parents face that decision of what to do with their kids and, and nobody ever talks about it. And I understand it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you're going to make some people mad, but, but we're supposed to talk about those things. And I do think it's filtered down from our leadership doesn't talk about them. So then we get real comfortable not talking about them because no, no one's really, really doing it, but but that's my, my call for the, the church militant, I guess. And I think you, yeah. you know, you would agree with that. It's like, if they're not going to do it, then somebody does have to do it. Right. So and it's, it's like the choice, your choices are not just soft theology or talk about nonsense. You right. know, like you talked about the right. other podcast, it's just kind of like girl talk. And it's like, cool. Like I'm not mad at people to do that, but like, we need people to kind of fill the gap in like actually helping people to like have strong marriages and to, like you said, right. share the importance of homeschooling. I know that's been one of your things recently to share the importance yeah. of like, uh, or the dangers of, of birth control. Like some of these things that like people could dive into and like have a niche yeah. and like, you just see people are just like, sometimes it's laziness, sometimes it's fear, whatever it is. But do you have any other books before we, before we wrap up here, any other books that you want to recommend or share with anybody? Um, I am current. What I'm currently reading is a bunch of motherhood books. So I'm not sure that's like necessarily, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how your audience is going to, uh, we actually chose to, well, the goal is we're going to try to do a home birth. So I'm reading a bunch of books right now. Oh, wow. I'm trying to, um, prepare for that. We'll see. Speaking of not wanting suffering, I have a feeling that that's not going <laughs> to, you got some, yeah, you got some coming fun, up on the skeddy. Yeah, that's right. But I'm reading a book called, um, made for this. Mm. And I believe her name is Mary Hasseltine, I want to say is the the author, but she actually talks in there and it was really impactful for me. She talks about how this is an opportunity for us to unite our suffering with Christ. So she's Catholic and she she relates the whole experience of birth to um, to our faith. And it's it's been really, really helpful for me because I. I tend to be the kind of person that's like, I can push through this. I can do it kind of yeah. thing. But like when you have something to something higher to relate it to, like, Hey, I can unite this suffering with Christ. Then it's like, okay, that just made a light bulb go off for me that, that there's more to this than just me pushing through the physical pain. Cause I'm, I think that I can do that, but let's do it with a purpose. Right. So Absolutely. 
anyway, so if there are any expecting moms out there that are listening, I, it's, it's a great book. I totally recommend that one. So that's so awesome. I love it. Yeah, no, we're, we're I'm really excited for you. Emily and I are really excited for you and Alec. Um, yeah, Thank it's, you. what an exciting time, man. We're, we're super yeah. pumped. That's, that's very and how awesome. far are you from, from wedding day? Uh, right. Guys, I don't know if you're saying right now oh yeah yeah no we're march 19th so right now we're about 60 okay. days out and i, th- I think this, exciting. this is likely going to come out in uh march i'm looking at the schedule right now so we're we're gonna yeah. be like nine days out when this comes out so that's awesome yeah so it'll be super excited close. for you guys too it'll be a really fun and challenging time for you so oh yeah you're not lots kidding. of growth lots of growth yeah we were talking to some engaged couples last night we were with a, a bunch of our friends and um emily was talking to other engaged girls and they were like, man, they were like, you know, it's, it's obviously stressful, but she was like, how fun is it that you guys are like in that like last minute stressful time though? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. that. It's you're almost moment. there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's a bunch of stress that comes back around two months out, obviously. of just right. like closing the loop on a lot of things. And she's like, but that's, yeah. that's fun that you're that close though, that you're like thinking about the little stuff, you know, the little um, stuff, yeah. Versus, cause you're in like yeah. the reception phase and like church day, mm-hmm. the dates and the guest list at the beginning. And it's like, it's yeah. nice to be in like the small details of like, who's going to get the groomsmen breakfast, you know, like right, right. things you didn't think about before that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it is. It'll be, you know, once you, and everybody tells you this, but once you, once you get there, all those little things will kind of fade out and it'll just be, right. just be all about the marriage. So that'll be, that'll be fun. You guys will have a great time. So I'm excited yeah. for you. Well, thank you so much. Well, Bridget, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, hopefully we'll be able to bring you back on here soon to, to do another episode together because yeah, I know. I think we have so many more things that we could have talked about that I thought about. <laughs> some days I wish I could be sure. Joe Rogan and just do three hours because I'm like, we could easily do <laughs> right. you know, We're not that popular yet. Someday. Yeah, no, someday definitely we'll be not. that popular. That's right. Yeah. God <laughs> well, willing. thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And yeah. I think what you're doing is super important. Like we were talking about with the podcast. I, I love everything you do. So, so thanks for what you do too. Yeah. Thank you so much. So everybody, you can follow Bridget at according to Bridget. I'll have her information in the show notes uh and we'll be sharing that and stuff on social media so definitely encourage you to check her out one of my favorite accounts on instagram because you do the combo of faith and culture and <laughs> politics and stuff like that all, all the stuff that i love so um huge <laughs> fan and uh yeah i just want to encourage everybody out there hopefully you learned something today and if you did encourage you to share this with somebody else who you think might benefit from it um and just want to encourage you guys as well to know of our prayers for you and know that we're hoping that you'll join us in this fight of standing for truth standing for freedom standing for the faith and just really start to discern and pray about, you know, the suffering that might be coming in your life and how God might be working in your life now to prepare you for that. And so as always, continue to fight hard and be your best.